much for this opportunity we have, Lord, to seek you, God. And as we come to you, Lord, we help us to put our full attention upon you. Lord, give us ears to hear what the Spirit is saying today and give us a mind to understand the truth that you present to us, Lord. And God, give us a heart to receive your word today with joy. Anoint, God, anoint this time. Anoint us, Lord, with your Spirit, with the oil of your Holy Spirit. And we ask this in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. I read about this rookie policeman in, in uh, this small town, and he was that, that overzealous and legalistic type. And in this new position of authority, he, he really grabbed onto that. He gave out citations for everything and anything he could find, but that soon was to get him disciplined. When a car came rushing by, he immediately pulled over the driver The young man jumped out of the car and tried to explain his reason that he was rushing down the road. The officer didn't want to hear it and shut him down saying, even if it was only one mile over the speed limit, he was still breaking the law. So the young man tried again to explain that it wasn't that, but the officer took it as a threat, promptly arrested him and brought him down to the station. Well, feeling a little proud that he used the power of his badge to stop a resistant speeder, The rookie told his prisoner, Lucky for you, flyboy. The chief is at his daughter's wedding right now. So when he gets back to see you, he'll be in a good mood. Well, the young man answered back and said, Well, I would not count on it, Barney Fife. (laughs) I'm the groom. Whoops. Sometimes, though, lessons can only be learned the hard way. And it looks like this officer will be going through that school of discipline. Well, as we return to our study in the book of Hebrews, the writer encourages the Jewish believers to keep on going, even when facing that uneasy time of going through the school of discipline. And that's the title of our message this morning, the school of discipline. We're going to be studying Hebrews chapter 12 from verse 4 through 11 this morning. We left off on verse 3 last time. We're going to continue on in our study verse by verse. So here we today we're going to be covering Hebrews 12, 4 through 11. Now our outline is this. The school of discipline, number one, provides training. Number two, proves you belong. And number three, produces character. So, let's begin here. The school of training, number one, provides training. Provides training. Now, we're going to be covering Hebrews 12, verses 4 and 5 in this section. So, first of all, though, take a look with me here now. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 4. It reads here, You have not yet resisted to bloodshed, striving against sin. We'll stop right there. Now, we begin with the writer declaring that the Jewish believers have not yet resisted to bloodshed. In other words, they have not given up their lives in the persecution that they're experiencing in striving against sin. Now, when the writer talks about striving against sin, it means like in standing up against this sinful world and the things that are being done upon them. In other words, persecution has not reached you guys to the point that you're dying for your faith. That has not happened, not yet. Now, 
it's believed that, that this epistle, this letter, was written around 67, 69 A.D., which would place it right before the, the, the destruction of the Jewish temple. And during this time, there was intense persecution were going on as Caesar Nero blamed Christians for burning down Rome. And so many believers were being martyred. Many believers at this time were, were the entertainment being killed, right, at the Colosseum in Rome right at this time. So the writer is saying, look, you think you're having a hard time now? Well, you haven't been through the persecution that threatens your life like the other believers are facing right now. And that's, that's the idea here in this verse. Remember, we've been, as we've been studying this book, how the writer's addressing these Jewish Christians who are already suffering, right, from pressure from their families and fellow Jews to, to leave Jesus and go back to the traditions, the Jewish traditions and the old rituals. And, and they're kind of on them about that. And we saw throughout this book his encouragement of not to give in to that pressure. And then last time, you remember in verses 1 through 3 of this chapter, we saw last time that these believers, they need to be committed to finish well, right? Run their race. And, and that was the title of our message, right? The commitment to finish well. Uh, Hebrews 12, 1 through 3. And you could grab the CD if you missed. So they are to stay committed to keep going in the faith like the heroes of faith that he had laid out in chapter 11. And then he talked about in verse 3, right? To follow the ultimate example of endurance of our Lord Jesus, who completed his mission, his race, by dying on the cross for our sins. So, as he goes on in verse 4, so he's saying, will, these Jew, will you guys, will the Jewish believers be able to keep running their race? Keep going. You haven't faced these se severe circumstances yet. But will you be able to finish the race even when you face the severe persecution. Will they be strong enough in those moments? And basically the believer's going to go on to say, yes, you know why? Because God is getting them ready. And you know how? It's through the school of discipline. That's our title this morning. So he goes on. Look at verse 5. And you have forgotten the exhortation which speaks to you as to sons. My son, do not despise the chastening of the Lord, nor be discouraged when you are rebuked by him. So the writer goes on here and says, have you guys forgotten now how the Lord exhorts us as his children? How, how he's dealing with us, how he's helping us, helping us, how, how he's there in our lives. And this is all about preparing us for this persecution, getting us ready that we will finish well in our race, even in persecution. So he says, hey, have you guys forgotten how the Lord exhorts his children. And then what he does is he quotes actually Proverbs chapter 3 verse 11. Now he actually does two verses from Proverbs 3. But we're going to see the verse 12 of Proverbs 3 in the next section. But for now, first look at this phrase. He says here, the chastening of the Lord. Now the word chastening here means basically in our day, dis discipline. It carries really this idea of training by the use of correction so when the lord disciplines believers he is training them into being and living like people that are of god and people who will not compromise and keep the faith even when we face persecution 
And so this is how the school of discipline provides training. Thus our heading here, number one. About this word discipline, John MacArthur wrote, the word is to train, correct, cultivate, and educate in order to help develop and mature. So that's the idea, and really get this into your head, because sometimes when we hear the word chastening or, or we hear the word like discipline and our minds go all into these areas and certain you know, pictures that we have, but in the essence of this word, understand it's about training through this correction, and that's what the discipline is. So in context now, what we saw last week and coming into this section, our first point that we see here is that the Lord disciplines his people to train them to become champions. Put that into your heart and mind right now. The Lord disciplines his people to train them to become spiritual champions. You know, I remember when I was involved in sports like in high school and I remember, you know, we're we're at practice getting ready, you know, for the meet or the game and all that and, and, and we're practicing and I, I, I swam and played water polo too in high school and I remember you know we'd bring the ball across the opposite side of the pool and start to play plays in front of the, the opposing goals and half the team was defense, half was offense and, and, and you're supposed to run these strategies and these plays and all that. Well when we didn't do it right, what the coach say? Do it again. Right? And then so we try again, and maybe it didn't go well. What the coach say again? Do it again, right? If there was maybe one player who wasn't really trying and making the effort like he should, the coach say, do it again, because of that guy. And we're like, oh, everyone grown, yeah, everything. And then we all get into, get into it, and we put our effort and all that. But we would do it again until, right, not only did we put in the effort, but the execution came out right too. Well, that was the discipline. That was the training. That was the correction. That was what the coach put upon us in practice. It was all part of that training, getting us ready to play the game. And it was also we would become the best players we could be and get the win. Well, that's what the Lord does when he disciplines us. He is actually training us to become spiritual champions in the race that we're running, in the race that he's put us in. I like something uh, what Tom Landry, former head coach of the Dallas Cowboys, once said. The job of a coach is to make players do what they don't want to do in order to achieve what they've always wanted to be. I love that. I love that. And we understand it's no fun to go through some grueling practice to correct your mistakes. But as many say, right, no pain, no gain, right? It's what we have to do. Correction isn't fun. It isn't nice to go through this whole process. You know, I think about the greatest spiritual growth for me has come when I went through those trials, when I went through those times of discipline. Do you, do you know that? Have you experienced that? Well, let me ask you today. Have you been going through some trial or hardship? Does it seem maybe this thing you're going through is like over and over? It's like the same thing over and over? Perhaps the Lord is running you through the paces because it needs to be done again. So what's important, like, like the coach, like God's like a coach, he's calling us out again and what's important is 
get about getting better, for this is all about God training you to be that spiritual champion. Now, look at two more things here in verse 5. We're going to see two more things that we need to really focus in on. And first of all, it says, Do not despise the chastening of the Lord. And secondly, it says, Nor be discouraged when you are rebuked by Him. So there's two things here. And the first thing I want you to see is, Do not despise God's discipline. Do not despise God's discipline. Despise here means treat as nothing. That's what the word means. It means making it little. And that Hebrew word in Proverbs 3.11, that word despise actually means to reject, to spurn. So the idea here is this. Do not resent God's disciplining process. Don't resent it. Don't despise it. Believers should, you know what we should do? We should rather welcome, that should be our attitude, welcome that which will help us grow and get better runners, become better runners in the race. Psalms 94.12, this is the NLT, it says, joyful are those you discipline, Lord, those you teach with your instructions. So when, it's hard to go through it, but you know what? We know that through that time, we're going to be growing. That through that time, we're going to be better people and better runners in the race that God has given us. So that's the idea. That's why the psalmist said, joyful are those you, um, are those you discipline. So we got to watch our heart, right? In that we don't despise it. And we, we don't let resentment and bitterness grow in our hearts, especially toward God, especially toward Him. If you find resentment in your heart while while being disciplined, you know what it means? It means you have not really surrendered everything to the Lord. That's what it means. So, number one, do not despise God's discipline. But the second thing we see in verse 5 is do not be discouraged when God disciplines you. Do not be discouraged when God disciplines you. The writer says in verse 5 at the end, nor be discouraged when you are rebuked by him. The word rebuke means stern correction. And sometimes when we get stern correction from the Lord, we can get discouraged. We can get hard on ourselves. So the idea really is do not misunderstand God's correction. It's, he, he means it for good. He means it to help you. So don't misunderstand God's correction. And what I mean, I, th- I believe the idea here is this. See, when God brings discipline on a believer, it's not this judgmental punishment. God's discipline is not a sentence for sin. The judgmental punishment for sin was, you know what, laid upon Jesus Christ at the cross. The blood of Christ covers our sin, secures our salvation, and that's forever. So understand, being disciplined by God, it does not mean you lost your salvation. It does not mean you, you've been kicked out of the house of God. It does not mean God is allowing some retaliation of cosmic forces coming upon you. Bachi, right? That's, that's not what it is. It does not mean you are now banished from being able to even serve God anymore. No, it's not some judgmental punishment. But you know what it is? It's a corrective punishment. That's what it is. It's a corrective discipline that is designed to correct your course. That is designed to bring you back 
to His will. That is designed to change your heart and attitudes. That is designed to stop you from giving yourself to the control of your sinful flesh. See, discipline is all about training you up in righteousness. The school of discipline, our title, again, our heading is provides training. That's what it's doing. So I'll tell you, you know, rather than complaining and ask God, why are you doing this to me? Why is that? We should be humble and ask God, what are you teaching me through this? Which all brings us to the second point in this section is don't be sour or sulk under God's discipline, but be willing to learn from your mistakes. Don't be sour, sour or sulk, sulk under God's discipline, but be willing to learn from your mistakes. Coach Lou Holtz of the Fighting Irish of Notre Dame was a legend in his hard line and discipline of his players. And he once said this, When it comes to discipline, we ask three questions. Will it make him a better man, a better student, a better athlete? If the answer is yes, we make him do it. The next step is up to him. An individual has a choice when you discipline him, either to become bitter or better. What a a great thing here, right? The simple question to you and I today is, are you bitter or better? If you are bitter, again, it shows your stubborn and hard heart in what God is trying to help you with. But you see, when we are willing to learn from our mistakes through the discipline of God, we can grow and become better, not bitter, and we, be, we can become those spiritual champions that God would like us to be. So this is the school of discipline. And number one, it provides training let's go on to number two it proves you belong it proves you belong we've seen it provides training now proves you belong and this we're going to cover hebrews 12 from 6 through 8 verses 6 through 8 first of all though look at the first part of verse 6 hebrews 12 verse 6 it says for whom the lord loves he chastens or disciplines now we'll stop right there the writer now quotes proverbs chapter 3 verse 12 here which shows God disciplines out of love. That, that's what he's saying. What does that mean? Well, it means that God loves you enough to correct your wrong. It means that he doesn't leave you the way you are, but he cares enough to change you and bring something into your life, allow something in your life to try and transform you. The idea really is it may not seem like it, but discipline is actually an act of great love. Proverbs 13, 24 says, He who spares his rod hates his son, but he who loves him disciplines him promptly. And this is to parents here, and a rod is a rod of discipline, right? And, and, and so here the writer is bringing the same thought. He's bringing the same analogy, going from running to now this family and this parental idea of a father. And, and he's saying, look, if, if, you, if you spared a rod, then you hate your son. But you know what? He who loves him uh, disciplines him promptly. So our first point here in this section is this. God's discipline flows out of his love for us. God's discipline flows out of his love for us. You've probably heard maybe when, if you were, maybe when you were a child, this hurts me more than it hurts you. Yeah, maybe you heard that. And as a child, you think, yeah, right. I don't think so, you know, kind of thing. But then what? 
But then you become a parent. And, and, and you become this loving, responsible parent. You want to make sure, you know, you help ra- you raise your kids according to tra- training them up in the ways of the Lord and Proverbs. And, and it's hard. It's hard to discipline your child because you do love them. But because of that, love you do. You understand it's necessary. Christian parents, they understand what pa'i, right? The discipline really is it's love it's because we don't want our little monsters to grow up to be big monsters right so it is with the lord you guys so it is with the lord god loves you just the way you are but he refuses to let you stay like that he wants what's better for you he 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 wants to mold you and shape you into that that person he wants you to be and has destined you to be so don't take discipline as god's angry wrath of hatred coming down on you no it's the opposite you guys he wants nothing but the best for you and you know what he wants to save you really from that which will destroy you and you know what that is that's our own self that's our own flesh that's that's really our worst enemy Think about this. In all his wisdom, he knows what discipline will work the best so that you will grow into the best you. Then the writer adds this at the end of verse 6. And scourges every son whom he receives. Verse 7. If you endure chastening, God deals with you as with sons. For what son is there whom a father does not chasten? But if you are without chastening, of which all have become partakers, then you are illegitimate and not sons. So the writer saying, not only does God discipline show his love, but it also shows that you are his child. He quotes the rest of Proverbs 13, 12 and verse 6, and he says, the Lord scourges which you know what that means, to flog. It means to, to, to whip. And that's kind of crazy thinking. But today, we would say pa'i would be a spanking. That's the idea. Now, I know that in today's society, it does not sit very well. And I believe we have drifted far from the Bible's definition of what definition is. But, but look at this word. It says scourges, right? So basically, the Lord will pay every child he receives or calls his own. That's the writer says in verse 7. As you endure like God's discipline, remember that he's dealing with you as sons. He's doing this because you are his own children. For what father would not discipline his own child? That's the idea here. 4 and verse 8 says, If you weren't being chastened, then that means you are illegitimate. You're not part of the family of God, and so not really his children at all. So the idea here is it may not seem like it, but discipline actually proves you belong. That's our heading. You belong to God's family. You know, I was thinking about in Ephesians 6.1, it says, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. And here in, in Ephesians 6.1, we see that children are placed by God under the authority of their parents. And the parents have this God-given right to have authority over the kids and demand obedience from the children. It, this is parenting 101 that, that we share with parents and all, which sometimes we forget, right? Sometimes we forget, well, who's the parent here, right? You know? But notice that it says children obey your parents, not all, our, all parents, but the ones whom you belong to. 
So in the same sense, parents only have jurisdiction really to give that pai over their own children to discipline unless they give uh, 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 permission, right? Which brings us really all to the writer's next second point in this section is this. God's discipline shows we definitely belong to the family of God. God's discipline shows we definitely belong to the family of God. I read about a farmer who made his sons work in the cornfields while their friends, their peers, spent the afternoon at the swimming hole. Well, someone went up to the father and scolded him, saying, Why do you make those boys work so hard? You don't need all that corn. Well, the wise father replied, Sir, I'm not raising corn. I'm raising my boys. I like that. It didn't matter what the other boys were doing. What his concern, this father, his concern was for his own sons, the ones that belong to him, where, whom God has placed under him. The farmer loves and has concern for what his sons were going to grow up and become. So that's the idea, you guys, with the Lord. His concern is for you and me. So God discipline actually shows we definitely belong to the family of God. And it shows that, well, we're part of his family. We're sons and daughters of the Lord. Now, be aware. Be aware right now. Don't listen to Satan's lies. He wants you to think that, well, God's disciplines are God's restrictions and they only prove that god doesn't love you and and that you're not a christian that's why all these things are happening happening to you have you had these thoughts i mean have you had those thoughts like why would god allow this in my life why would he do that i mean if he you know come into my if he really loved you he wouldn't do that would he really treat his children like that well what are we reading here sure god will because of love he would want to do what he can to save you and keep you from harming yourself right just as parents do don't listen to satan's lie that god's discipline is condemnation it's an act of love and it proves you belong to his family so the school of discipline proves you belong let's go to number three our our last heading this morning our last heading It produces character, produces character. The school of discipline provides training, proves you belong. And number three, produces character. And we're going to cover the rest of our verses here in Hebrews 12, verses 9 through 11. Take a look at verse 9 here, Hebrews 12, verse 9. Furthermore, we have had human fathers who corrected us, and we paid them respect. Shall we not much more readily be in subjection to the Father of spirits and live? We'll stop there. Okay, the writer says, furthermore, or here's another thing. If we have had human fathers who corrected or who disciplined us, and we paid them respect, I mean, whether uh, early on or later as an, uh, as an adult, we, we honor and respect our, our parents who gave us godly discipline. Well, the writer's saying, well, so in the same way, we should as believers be in subjection or be submitted to the father of spirits or better translated the father of our souls that's the idea here so we should honor and respect our god and his discipline so to find we will and i like this live it says here that is you know what to have a better life 
So the idea in this verse is this. Every child eventually understands the value of the parent's discipline. So shouldn't we then submit to our Heavenly Father's discipline? That's the idea of what he's saying in this verse. You know, a parent once shared how their little one saw another boy in the store acting up uh, real badly, acting up, behaving really badly. And the little one turned to the mother and whispered, Mommy, he needs a spanking. Kids know, right? And they realize that parents who discipline are parents who cares. And parents who let them have the kids their own way are parents who don't care. So with this understanding about our earthly parents, then the writer saying, hey, we should fully submit to what God the Father is trying to teach us through His discipline. Then verse 10, For they indeed for a few days chastened us as it seemed best to them, but He for our profit that we may be partakers of His holiness. Okay, parents, our parents disciplined us in a few days, or it means in a short time we were under their care, and they did their best, you know, to discipline and take care of us. So um, th- they did their best in, in how they knew how. In other words, you know what the writer is saying, hey, our parents weren't perfect in their discipline, but God's discipline is perfect and is for, he says here, our profit. It's always for our good. It's always for our benefit that we may, and I like this, partake of His holiness. That means that we may become more like Him in godliness. So here's the idea. Our parents did the best they could, but God disciplines us perfectly to produce results. That's the idea here. God's way and God's school of discipline produces character. That's our heading here. You know, our parents, though, we love them and respect them. They were not perfect in their discipline. Some parents, that they discipline out of anger. Some went too far with that. Sometimes our parents didn't do enough. Sometimes it was good. Sometimes it was proper. proper. But the writer's saying, you know what? God's disciplinary process is perfect and consistent. So he's saying, focus on that. Look at that. Know this. Know this, you guys. God never disciplines out of explosive anger. God knows exactly how to handle each situation. God, even in his discipline, believes in you. God is like that coach who knows what you need to reach your potential. God is like the parent uh, who parents for that long-term goal and not the short-term pain. And note this too. There is a difference between beating and discipline. I mean, beating is like emotionally out of control kind of, you know, uh, spanking and discipline. But discipline, God's discipline, and proper godly discipline, even as a parent, is a controlled and calculated process. So hear me clearly. God does not beat his children. God disciplines in a wise and calculated way in order to reach the goal of godliness in your life. So let that be clear in your mind because like i said sometimes when we hear the word discipline or chastisement what god chastises us we have all these images right of maybe abuses or or things that we maybe went through with our own parents that were to the extreme 
That's not the Lord, and that's not what he's talking about here. So look at verse 11. The writer says in the first part, Now, no chastening seems to be joyful for the present, but what? Painful. We'll stop right there. We can, I think, all say amen to that, right? Chastening is not joyful, right? I mean, who's going to say, Yeah, I'm going to go get spanking. Yeah, let's go. No one's going to say that, right? No. When it's happening, it's not joyful. Maybe afterwards we go, okay, Lord, okay, I understand, right? No discipline is like that, but discipline is not fun, but it's what? Painful. And the reality really is discipline is painful. It's hard. It's going through some suffering. But you know what? There's a, there's a design to that. There's a purpose in that that God uses. Listen to what C.S. Lewis said on this, and I love this. C.S. Lewis wrote, pain insists upon being attended to. Isn't that right? I mean, when we're facing pain, all of a sudden, yeah, our attention is on it. Our attention is, what's going on? Lord, help me. God. You know, all of a sudden, right? Then C.S. Lewis says this, God whispers to us in our pleasures, speaks in our consciences, but shouts in our pains. It is his megaphone to rouse a deaf world i love that listen when going through discipline you know understand it's not god abandoning us but it's the loving act of god to get your attention i mean how many times have we not listened or responded to god right we hear something in the message oh yeah yeah, yeah, whatever and we walk out of these doors and go back into our life right or, or, or you're reading your bible oh yeah, yeah 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 okay you can close it up you can go off in your day and you forget what you read but when things get severe, when things get hard, when you start suffering, when, when, when it's painful, all of a sudden our attention is up, our antennas are up, and we're seeking God like never before. That's why discipline is painful. It gets our attention. It gets our attention enough to listen and then make a change. And then so finally, look at verse 11, the last part here. Nevertheless, afterward, it yields the peaceable fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. So the result of the pain in God's discipline, it yields. It brings this fruit. It brings the peaceable fruit of righteousness. And that means it's the peace that comes from right living. The ultimate purpose of God's discipline is to bring good fruit in your life. That's what it is. So discipline produces character, our heading. And you know what that is? That is to be more like Jesus. That's what it's about. Listen to Romans 8, 29. The first part of the verse says this. For whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. Do you know who he's talking about? You and I, believers. Those have come to Christ and have salvation, eternal life. Those have become children of God. And these are whom He foreknew. And you know what? He's predestined us to be conformed, to be made into the likeness of Jesus Christ in our character, in our attitudes, in how we live this life here on earth. This is God's predestined, predetermined, plan for you and that's the purpose for the discipline that's why god disciplines us so that we would 
have that course correction and become everything he wants us to be. Now, take note here this morning. Not all trials are times of discipline. Just take note of that before you start thinking all these things. Now, trials, troubles, hardship, yeah. I mean, they could come because of the world. Yeah, the world is evil and sinful and and the consequences and the things that others may do to us are their sin sometimes that brings trials and problems right understand that sometimes we get trials and problems because of our the enemy satan himself will press us or do things to attack us to stop us in our race to destroy us to 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 get us to stop following god sometimes satan does that sometimes Our own trials and troubles is the consequences of our own sin, right? It's just the result of bad choices or or things we decided to go after or giving into the flesh and temptation. So sometimes there's trials and things that come through like that. But there's going to be times that you go through these these trials and troubling that God is going to use as discipline to help you to grow in his overall sovereign plan. So not all things are God's disciplinary process on you. Sometimes it's our consequences. Sometimes it's something else, you know. But understand, there are those times where it is God's discipline course correcting you, training you, yeah, stopping you from going down a certain direction. But the idea is everything in your life, God is in control, right? And he's using for your benefit. Right before eight, Romans 8, 29, it says, and you guys know this, right before verse 29 is verse 28, just in case you didn't know. <laughs> anyway, let's go. On. No, just joking. But think about Romans 8, 28. It says, and we know that all things, right, work together for good to those who are, love God, to those who are the call according to his purposes he has a purpose and all these things we go through good and bad and all these things he has a purpose and he's predestined you into the image of christ so he's using everything trials yeah oppression from satan troubles from the world troubles at work sinful people doing things to you and god's discipline upon you to fulfill his purpose So trials, times of discipline, they're all part of God's way to mold you and form your character. Which brings us to our very last point here this morning. God uses painful discipline to produce the fruit of godly character. God uses painful discipline to produce the fruit of godly character. You know, my wife and I, Kristen, we try to do our best, right? Proverbs 22, 6, to train up a child in a way he should go. When he is old, he will not depart from it. That, I mean, that, that, was, that was our, like, mission, you know, before the Lord as we serve God. And uh, we're not perfect. I failed in many areas. And, and, but we had that long-term goal in mind that through the teaching of the Word, the everyday, daily kind of training lessons and proper discipline, right, that our children would grow up and to be uh, good, Jesus-loving, saved individuals, yeah, that were benefit not to society, but to the Lord and serving Him in the church. 
and that in their character that they would be good people of character, right? So everything we did, and especially if focusing on this discipline part as we're talking about today, I mean, we, yeah, we disciplined. We kept the borders tight, and then as they grew and were responsible, we put the borders out. But it was all designed so that they would be self-controlled people, obedient children, right? First time, first, you know, when on the first command, submissive, humble, patient, godly, that they would hold to integrity, that they would be responsible, that they would be kind, compassionate, loving to others. You see, from the beginning, we, we wanted to parent for that long-term goal. We, not the short-term, you know, pain, but the long-term goal. And we learned, hey, the best way through this discipline, especially when they were from the young age, you know, it, because when you're born... You really have what I call this empty warehouse, yeah? And through the strictness and, and process, we have a process of discipline that we would bring them through, uh, strategy and all of this. And this is how they learn, really, what's right and wrong before God, what the Bible says is right, what is wrong. And then as they learn through that process of discipline, they could stock the shelves of their moral warehouse. And later when they're older, they could go to that warehouse. Oh, I know this is wrong. Oh, I know this is, this is right. Oh, I know this. And, and, and this was all through that discipline. And through that, I've learned, right, the best way for them to learn and stock the moral warehouse and, and, and parent toward that long-term goal was through pain through the discipline, through pa'i. I learned in parent, parenting that pain is a deterrent. It is. Pain from the consequences of disobedience or sin is that dis- discipline that helps the child learn what is right and wrong. It trains them in that. It's like what parents say, right, that they should apply the board of education to the seat of learning, right? But that's the thing. Think about now. God is that perfect parent. And he knows the hard times we go through, the painful times, the suffering times, that's what's going to train us. That's what's going to change us. And, the, and think about the Heavenly Father's plan and his training is perfect, you guys. I made mistakes. We made mistakes. We, maybe we didn't do everything perfectly. But God, he does it perfectly. So you can trust him. God in his great wisdom, he knows what we need in terms of discipline. He knows exactly in our individuality, in our personality, in our hang-ups, in our, all, all of that. He knows in his wisdom exactly how to grow us and how to become all that he wants us to be as his child. Think about how sometimes, right, what, you got to prune a plant, right, so it can produce more fruit. That's what discipline does. Sometimes God needs to knock off and sand the rough edges of of sin and wrong attitudes that are on us so that we can be that beautiful masterpiece for him. We may not like it. It's hard to go through. But God, you know what? He is willing to go as far to sacrifice our comfort so that we can be conformed to his character. The question today put out to you and me, you know what? is are you willing to let God do this work? Or have you bucked against Him? Have you gotten mad at Him? Have you turned away in bitterness? Doesn't that sort of sound like a little toddler stomping away in a tantrum? Right? We've all seen that, and we don't like that. 
But you know what? Sometimes we act like that, actually. Like a little toddler before the Lord. But here's the thing. We've got to submit to the Lord. We've got to keep our eyes on the long-range goal, not the short-term pain. We've got to understand this is all to mold and form our character. And God has a perfect plan, and He's doing it in a perfect way, and it's all, you know what? Because He sees the potential in us. It's all to make us more like Jesus. I read about someone who was looking at an incredible sculpture of this huge horse. And uh, when he found out that it was made out of one giant piece of rock stone, you know, the admirer asked the sculptor, how in the world did you do this out of one piece of stone? And I like the reply of the sculptor. He said, I could see the horse from the beginning and I just knocked off everything that didn't look like a horse. Isn't that good? That's what God does. That's what he does through discipline. He knows who we are in Jesus Christ, and he's removing things that aren't you, the new creation, anymore. As we come to a close, listen, God is not out to get you. God is not angrily coming down on you. No, God has a calculated plan of discipline he's been enacting. God is not trying to destroy you. God is not trying to keep you from your dreams. God is drawing you really back to, your, to His will. And He's using the discipline process to mature you and grow you into the very likeness of Jesus Christ. God is not trying to make you fail. God is not trying to stop you in your race. But you know what? He's breaking you of your pride, your self-will, so you would, you know what? Rely on Him and run even faster in your race and you know overall you know what he's doing he's really bringing you into a closer relationship with him ultimately that's what it is ultimately that's what it is i gotta tell you what Kristen and i enjoy today as we parent for the long-range goal right we, we we saw our parenting as when they're early on, the discipline stage. In elementary school years was the training stage. Then high school years was the coaching stage. But you know what the, the final stage is as parents? Friendship. Friendship. And we are beginning to enjoy really right now as our adult kids, you know, are at that age, we have a friendship. And we have a close relationship. And that's what discipline does. And that's God's goal to bring you into that likeness of Christ and into a closer relationship with him. I'll close with this story. A young boy made a toy boat and sailed it on, the, on this big pond and suddenly a gust of wind blew the boat beyond his reach. In his distress, he went, he went you know, crying to other people and he asked this older boy sitting nearby for help. Well, without saying one word, this older boy picked up some rocks and started to throw them at the boat. Well, the younger boy got super upset and screamed in fear, thinking that the older one was trying to sink the boat. But then the boy soon noticed that instead of hitting the boat, each stone was carefully directed, directed beyond the boat, on the other side of the boat, and making ripples in the water, and the waves were moving the boat closer and closer to the shore. So then in amazement, the young boy watched the boat come closer and closer until he could reach out and pick it up. You see, sometimes God's discipline looks like he's trying to sink you. 
But in reality, the discipline is carefully planned and calculated. And in this process of God, He is ultimately bringing you into a closer relationship with Him. So hopefully, you can see now what God does, how He loves you, He cares for you, and He has a plan in the school of discipline. Let's pray. Dear Lord, forgive us all for our complaints, our anger, maybe our bitterness toward you when you discipline us. Forgive us for our doubt. Forgive us for questioning your love and questioning, Lord, even our salvation. But Lord, help us to be responsible for our own failures and learn from the discipline you give us so that we can grow, so we can get closer to you. God, I pray that we would become better people, not bitter people. That we would be better servants for you, better in character, attitude, and actions. Help us today, God. Forgive us and cleanse us for our sins. And let us return to your will. Let us, God, stop being stubborn and unsubmissive, but let us be and become who we are supposed to be, the children of God. In Jesus' name, amen.